Episode six of It's Been a Week is brought to you by our great friends at Temper, a mattress like no other. Alicia, what's the one thing in life that you think you're missing? I would have to say a great <laughs> mattress, Jack. Obviously, I've heard so much about the quality of Temper products over the last few weeks. I am definitely in the market for a new bed. Do you think they could help me out? Alicia, it is the least they can do. I think a few people are in the same boat as you and wanting to try out some of the amazing range they have just to help you sleep. They're so committed to ensuring people get their best night's sleep. Temper are at the forefront of design, manufacturing and distribution of mattresses and pillows. They, more than anyone, know how critical it is to get a good night's sleep. It's so vital to your overall health and wellness. And you know what, Jack? What, Alicia? It gets us through the week. <laughs> I agree. Having a restless night's sleep can set you up for a difficult day, and that is why we are so thrilled to have Temper as a partner of the show, as Temper mattresses can really help you through the week. Hello and welcome back to It's Been a Week. As always, I'm joined by PR Dynamo, Alicia Grabowski. Alicia, is summer over? Uh, look, it feels like that holiday time is coming to an end. Everyone's back to it. Jack, what's your sort of like start of the year indicator that summer's over? Mine is we have this little cafe in our neighbourhood and I don't know who owns it, but they live the best life. They shut for basically all of summer. The dream. And it's a real shame because they make really good food <laughs> and it means I don't have to cook. But I know that when they come back it's go time. It's sort of like right at the end of Jan and it's time for those kids to get back to school and it's time for a good coffee. The Sunday before school goes back, I always get sent this vision from people of just major traffic mm. jams from like the peninsula, Phillip yeah. Island, up the Hume Highway and people sitting, leaving their run a little bit late to get home. But my, um, my five-year-old started school today, so I feel like life is returning to normal. And I thought I'd get emotional, but I didn't realise, one, how emotional I'd get, but two, my husband, Michael, he got a little bit teary. He's got to tell his nose goes a bit red before he's going to cry. And his nose went a little bit red because the school gave us a little poem. I don't know oh, if your school's ever done yes. that when the prep teachers all handed out um, like tea bags and coffee bags. and yeah, tears like, and tissues, we yeah, call it. Yeah, it was really cute actually. Um, and then he read the poem and he got a bit a bit sad, but she had no interest and just nicked off straight into the We're classroom. we surprised by See that later. Michael though. Oh, he's got a big heart. Hey, we've got heaps of news on the pod today. We're going to have a chat about one of the most heartless decisions I think I've ever heard of from a council. There have been some cruel ones over the years, but I think this one will take your breath away. We're going to delve into Alice Springs, a real tragedy unfolding there. Locals say years of neglect has resulted in a national emergency. Um, no surprise, but you and I disagree on how mm -hmm. we think it could be handled there. The push for an Australian republic following on from the death of the Queen and Spare, obviously Spare, has done mm. no favours for that country. Kids are back at school, as yes. we said. Hooray. So there are a few different issues going on here um, with sort of mm. savings and uniforms, the cost of schooling, but Ugh. also re a bit of a reworking of the system, which is um, interesting. We'll have a chat about that. Okay. And I actually interviewed uh, an icon. We throw the term around in media a lot, icons. Um, but I interviewed a real one, Billie Jean King, this week at the tennis. We occasionally do book recommendations on the pod, and I have read all in her autobiography. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I'd recommend it to anyone. 
one. We're going to have a look at the rental crisis and um, some worrying vision out of Sydney, but really something that's replicated right around the country. So let's get right into it now with this really cruel and heartless decision by a local council. Can you imagine losing your 18-year-old daughter in the blink of an eye? Louise Selwood was doing her year 12 exams, the best years Mm -hmm. of her life, really ahead of her. And she had what uh, her family thought was a cold, but what it was was meningococcal and she passed away and it was terrible, it was sudden, it was unexpected Mm -hmm. and it was a deep, deep tragedy. And this was back in 1997 and since that time her family and friends have gathered where they scattered her ashes at Barwon Heads Bluff in Victoria and the family had arranged and purchased a seat with a plaque. You'd see them sometimes um, when you're going on walks around the coast, people have the memorial chair. Um, And it's a really lovely way to remember people who've passed away. So she doesn't have a grave. This is a place where her family and friends go to grieve to remember her, um, to celebrate her life and really to reflect and spend time with her. And a lot of other families have also organised and purchased seats in that Barwon Heads area. And then without warning, three weeks ago, the Barwon Coast Shire removed the seat while they did some works. Her brother turned up and it was gone, gone after 25 years. And so the family contacted the local council and was told, get this, it would not be reinstated due to a change in policy that Crown land can no longer be memorialised. And they were also promised a phone call from the CEO. That hasn't happened yet either. Mm. This is Louise's best friend, Sharon, who spoke to us about the impact this decision has had. As you can imagine, this has been incredibly um, upsetting. It's a you know, a grossly insensitive move by Barwon Coast with no co- no communication or consultation with the family um, or friends of Louise. So what do you think about that? I just think it's been managed terribly oh. by the council. I mean, this this poor family, they've been given no notice, yep. no consultation. Um, you know, the fact that they're, they're waiting on a phone call from the CEO hasn't Disgusting. even bothered to pick up the mm. phone. You know, there's so many ways that this could have been managed if that truly is the case that the land has been rezoned or, you know, it can't be used like that anymore. There are other ways that they, you know, could set something up. There could be a, something planted. There could be a little garden. You know, there's many, many ways that the council could deal with this in a sensitive way and they just have not. Or what about just not removing what's already there and maybe not um, putting in any new seats for people? And this isn't just one family. This is, unfortunately, this is the family that's been affected. Mm. But over time, you imagine that they have to do works on the path or whatever. It seems like a small issue, but it's a really big issue because what it is is the way that councils treat people um, who are just the little guy. Yeah. Um, And they've... This is essentially a gravesite for them and a place of deep significance and to just remove it without even giving them a heads up. And I don't imagine it would be very hard at all to find out who this family was. And also I think as well, I mean, during such a difficult time like this, good on them for coming out. Yeah, speaking, yes. Because there, as you say, there will be other families affected and, you know, a lot of the time it's the last thing people want to do is sort of go and garner some publicity and try yep. and delve into this whole mess of, you know, how do we get attention mm. or how do we sort of, you know, cry out for for something that we should be allowed to have. So I think that's really brave of them as well during such a a difficult time. 
we will contact the council and the government. And there's also a change.org petition. It's stop the removal of memorial chairs by Barwon Coast. So any of our listeners who are interested in supporting the family here, um, you know, you can jump on there as well and help their cause. Let's turn to Alice Springs. Last July, alcohol bans in the NT lapsed after 15 years. Mm. Um, Alicia, you've had a really good look into this one. What do you think? I have. And look, I I definitely think there's the words national emergency have been thrown around last week. It 100% is a national emergency. The whole situation makes our country look disgraceful. The fact that the Prime Minister flew in there for literally four or five hours is disgusting. Um, You know, these residents of Alice Springs, they've been left there now with no help. And they're coming out through the media, they're coming out through, you know, print articles. Wherever you look, people are shouting, screaming up and down about the fact that something needs to be needs to be done. Nothing has been done. A ban on alcohol for Mondays and Tuesdays, which is what's been announced after the visit, is not going to fix the problem. I think, and this is just my opinion mm. because I know yours differs, mm. but I believe that there should be a full ban, ban. It should be a dry zone. One, I know it's not a long-term solution, but it needs to be done now. It needs to be done as a circuit breaker while they work out how on earth they're going to help the residents of Alice Springs because it's chaos Mm. I think the issue here, it's this is a top-down policy when it should be a bottom-up policy. It's very hard for us to sit here in Melbourne in effectively, you know, our little tower over here and imagine what it's like living in Indigenous communities like those in and around Alice Springs because it's not just Alice Springs. I understand the need for a circuit breaker, but I absolutely disagree with a full and permanent ban. I think this is what this is, is a really clear indication of long-term neglect of First Nations people. And firstly, we need to support more um, policies for Indigenous Australians. What do Indigenous Australians need? They need more education. They need a greater voice in Parliament. They need better health care because it starts at the bottom. Grassroots support, rather than banning alcohol, um, it's really difficult. I think there is no easy solution for this. I do agree with you. I think the fly in, fly out from elbow was a mistake. I think you needed to really stay longer than that. I think that, you know, oh, we care enough for a day Mm. and then we're leaving. But all of it, you've got to be really careful here because it can be race-based policy. Um, the reality is we have no idea what it's like. And even but, Indigenous but we people... we do. And it's we too can't. late. We can't it's understand what it's like. Start, no, I mean, we can see... I mean, there's there's vision of, of all sorts of things that are happening there. But it's too late to start with this, let's have a look at the grassroots sort of thing. Let's I don't just think it is not, at all. Let's not ban alcohol. Let's just leave the residents of Alice Springs to continue to do what they're doing. The, the alcohol I would much, abuse there mm. is so far gone... Something drastic needs to happen. I would much rather see millions poured into education, into schooling, into health support as a whole rather than reactionary-based policy, which is essentially what this but is. But pouring money into education for the children is not going to help a lot of the parents who have a problem with alcohol. It's not going to help. I mm, I just, I think we have to be really careful though. Like you look at the way this is a systematic failure of the system for decades and to come in and once in, once again introduce a policy like this where you are essentially targeting specific communities with alcohol bans. But it's not a punishment. It's a way to try and rehabilitate these people who 
a lot of the residents there don't know life without alcohol. It's a tragedy, um, but I do think you can't you can't single things out. We can't sit here not understanding it. If you look at statistics, First Nations people and the disadvantages that they face are very different to the disadvantages that we face. And to come in and quickly go, we're going to do this, and then also think about perhaps extending that alcohol ban. Like I said, there has to be a somewhat circuit breaker, but you can't say as a whole we're going to ban alcohol well, in certain can. communities in Australia. You can't. Well, well, you can, and I think that they should because at the moment there is absolute chaos there and it's getting worse. It's getting worse by the day. Like I said, it's interesting, isn't it? When we have this podcast, you and I often disagree on things. I think this one we really quite fundamentally disagree on it. Um, One thing I think you brought up, which I I do somewhat agree with you, um, was Anthony Albanese at the tennis over this period of time um, photographed. Was it two or three days he was there? A week ago. I mean, he was no, at the Did tennis. he attend it three times or two I, times? I think it was twice. Yeah. But a week ago he flew in to Alice Springs mm. to assess the situation for five hours and then, you know, in my opinion, has done absolutely nothing about the problem. And then off he is at the tennis having, having a few beers. I didn't like the picture. I especially didn't like the picture. I just think it's, I agree with you on that, but I also think he's well entitled as the Prime Minister of Australia to attend the tennis over this period. Sure, but have a think about, read the room. The optics? Yeah, have a think about how you look sitting there at the tennis with a beer in your hand when you have just, you know, five days ago been to, you know, a, a state of emergency where alcohol is such a problem. Maybe give it a week, mate maybe just give it a week. Mm. What do you think about it when ScoMo flew over to Hawaii while the country burned? Look, that's a whole different <laughs> podcast. But it's a, yes, that's true. But do you feel like this is sort of that moment where the optics of it are quite poor? I mean, it's a P, yeah, it's a PR issue. He's made himself look bad by sitting there drinking beer at the tennis. Do you think they just didn't, his advisors, I mean, you do this for a living, his advisors didn't think that through or? I think he didn't think it through just as a person. He just didn't think it through. I think someone should have tapped him on the shoulder, one of his advisors, or sent him a text and said, uh, let's have a have a look at, you know, the bigger picture here, how mm. this is going to mm. look. Mm. And they didn't. And then he went on to eat the ice cream oh. that he shoved in his mouth. <laughs> I think it's a whole other side chat, worse. isn't it? The what ice cream. Um, he did eat an ice cream in an unusual way. I can see you Sam, nodding your head. Alicia, I can't believe you just mated the Prime Minister, Albo. Yeah, the mate. Yes. Well, Sort of how I feel about it. <laughs> were you being sarcastic there, yeah. were you? <laughs> it probably wasn't the best, if I can yeah, chime please. in on this one. It probably wasn't the best optics Thank to you. be there, you know, Thank two you. or three days a in a row. With a magnum or a drumstick. Was I don't it know. a drumstick or a magnum? I don't know what it was, it was but he was, he was enjoying it. He was very hungry. He was loving it. He really yes. shoved it in, didn't he? I don't know about the combination of <laughs> was, beer and ice cream, though, and that's well, an interesting yeah, combo. I mean, that's it's just... like a spider in your mouth. Yeah, you know, so like... it's, a, it's an interesting combo <laughs> for Albo. <laughs> remember Spider yeah, with remember. the lemonade and yeah. the ice cream? It was like yeah. a fizzy and, and the yeah. sweet. Um, he did eat it in a rather unusual way. I think I was probably more disturbed by that than anything. Got real dad vibes off the ice cream, that's for sure. Yeah, and you're at the tennis, so just make Rain it in, rain it in. Well, let's just agree to disagree, but I do agree with you um, about the tennis and whether yeah. or not it was perhaps he should have gone and just not I win eaten. Is what you mean? I do win. You don't yes. win. Yes. Mm. Um, speaking of winning, a republic and a new poll 
Mm-hmm. Um, the Queen, we loved Her Majesty. We loved her. But we are Australians turning now, following on from Spare, mm-hmm. the fact that um, King Charles is now a head of state, there's no true love for this man the way no. the Queen was very much beloved in mm-hmm. Australia for generations and respected. Yes. I think there's a lack of respect for Prince yes. Charles. But is it time for a republic? I think I think the time is, yeah, it's it's now. I think the, there will never be someone as respected as, mm, as mm. her. She was such a great leader. She did amazing things for her country, amazing things for our country. But what does worry me is how will it shape up in Australia? I mean, as we've just spoken about, politics here is a complete circus. Yes. Um, and, you know. I will I will let you win that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. Thank you. <laughs> um, so that, you know, that worries me because I think there should be one, mm. but how will it look? in real life. Mm, mm. Um, I do agree with you on this. The Sydney Morning Herald polled readers, and this is really interesting, support for a republic since the death of the Queen has risen mm. from 36 to 39%, which is still really low. It is And low. 30% of voters are still undecided. Did you know that we actually have an assistant minister for a republic that was appointed after the election? Like, what's he doing nowadays? Um, Sam, what Just do you think? Money. Well, I actually don't know what the change would bring about if we mm. were to become a republic. Mm. And like, I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, to me, I don't know what it would completely change. Would it mean we're not a part of, like, the Commonwealth Games? Would it mean mm. certain things oh, like that? Well, no, sport. because... Worried about sports, Sam. Yeah. Worried about sports. That's the only thing Typical I'm worried about. Well, no, all of the... Co- you can still compete in the Commonwealth Games. It's just that your head of state yeah. is no longer... So does that so mean we wouldn't have a prime minister, we would have a president now? Mm. So well, apparently... No, you'd still have – God, this actually – do you know what? This is actually bad that I don't know this, but I no, think basically I you just right. have the president over the top um, and you still have a prime minister like um, Canadian prime minister, Justin Trudeau, Trudeau. and mm. you still have – but please, um, let us know. I'm sure I'll, I'll find out very quickly if that's not the case. But um, for me, I think it's amazing that so few people are sort of – um, one way or the other. And when we had the referendum for a republic, mm-hmm. it became so messy. Yeah. People really were frightened. Well, it's and so they voted no. Confusing and Correct. change and people yes. do not like that. When was that referendum? Did we have a referendum? in the 90s. Right. Okay. Yeah, we were quite young. I remember when that yeah. happened. But it was very messy. Um, Malcolm Turnbull was the head of the Republican movement, you right, remember. And I think that whole yeah. situation has probably shied people away from 100%. delving back into it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I called in the big guns on this. Rob Jobson is known as the godfather, do you love this, mm. the godfather of royal reporting by the Wall Street Journal. Journal. He has decades of experience as a royal correspondent and he's also the author of numerous books including Charles at 70, Prince Philip's Century and William at 40. This is what he thinks. Yes, the Queen the Queen was very popular. Yes, her death probably has dented the popularity of the monarchy as an institution in Australia, but has it made it any closer to becoming a republic? Probably not, because I do think that it's, the Australian people will have a long think about this and they don't particularly want to change their constitution. I think that with William Kate on the rise as the next King and Queen, it's quite possible that actually they could actually achieve that and there's no great hunger, I don't think, um, as it stands, from what I understand, to change the system. The Godfather of Royal Reporting. I love it. He has that to say. He has that tone of the Godfather too. We love Rob. Um, Another woman that I really love is Billie Jean King. And this week, um, while I was working at the tennis, I got to sit down and do an in-conversation with her. You were very excited. You told me about 40 times. I did. Well, No, you should be. I feel like there are many women that we have a lot to be thankful for 
mm-hmm. for um, what they've done. Yes. We should thank them. And they've paved the way for women, not just in, in sport, mm-hmm. but women in life. Um, imagine what it was like to grow up in the 50s and 60s and want to play a sport. Mm. And this was when a woman would always take on her husband's dreams rather than her own. I mentioned her book, All In. It's a remarkable reflection on a time that's now passed. Yeah. But also what just the the horrendous injustices done to these yeah. women um, that we don't experience or certainly experience no, less of them. because of them. Yeah. Um, and she was here as part of the original nine, which is a group of women who threatened to quit tennis altogether. So these were elite yeah. players. You're thinking like Sharapovas, Williams, they banded together um, to ensure that they received fair and equal pay and treatment. A good example was um, Billie Jean King actually won Wimbledon with Rod Laver. It was the first, many times, but the first Wimbledon of the open era, Rod Laver was paid £2,000 and she was paid £750. Yeah. And you just realise that this was fundamentally unfair. So it's thanks to her and the original nine and her fight for LGBTQI rights Um Our generation would do well to remember the sacrifices of these women. And because of that, I made you watch the movie. You did. Which um, I watched it. It's called Battle of the the Sexes. Sexes. Yep. It was great. Um, I loved it. Mm. I, like, thought it was brilliant. The only thing I would have liked to have seen is, I mean, they won the battle when it came to sort of, you know, equal pay and, Mm. and, you know, the competition and that sort of thing. But they didn't sort of show how she navigated the sexuality part of of her life, which, you know, as you say, like, she was literally, you know, she had a husband. And, um, yeah, that was just at the end, you know, there was a a few lines up on the screen Mm. and I thought, you know what, in this day and age, it is still such a big issue. Yeah, I've had some experience with it um, in my family. And I think, yeah, it would have been good to see how she navigated her way through it and how, you know, even if she she chatted to you about it. um, She did. And her book, as I said, she has chapters and chapters on this. But one thing I would say is when she was outed by a former partner, so she didn't get to out herself, her former partner, um, who was actually blackmailing her in the end, it was actually really sad. She outed her and Billie Jean King was forced to host a press conference with her then husband, Larry King, the broadcaster, and actually come out and say that was just a phase, even though she knew it wasn't because they were worried about um, basically her career would be over, right? See, none of this was in there. I would have loved to know. Please, potties, listen, read the book, um, All In. But one of the most traumatic parts of it, there were many, is that she had sponsorship and her whole life revolved around that sponsorship and they all walked away from her because she was gay. And to think about that now, it's just a story that I think our generation um, should go back and revisit. Absolutely. And imagine what it would have been like back Mm. then. Was that a bit of a pinch yourself moment to talk to someone like Billie Jean King? And you know when having interviewed many sports people, as you have over your career too, Sam, and you, Alicia, um, you interview people and you put them on a pedestal and sometimes they really let you down and sometimes they they don't. And with this one, sometimes I find the more famous the person, the nicer they are, and when they're kind of a middle-of-the-rung famous person, they're not necessarily Mm. that nice. What do you think? Well, I... I probably agree with you there. I yeah. mean, 
They're so used to also talking to people that, yes. that I suppose the, the easiest way sometimes is to be nice. So yeah. no, it, 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 it's good to hear that she was such a lovely person. She was so lovely and she brought her long-term partner, Alana, with her oh. um, and she travels with her. And it was I got to meet her as well and it was just, it was a pinch-me moment. As mentioned at the top of the show, Alicia, Temper is partnering with It's Been A Week to ensure all of our listeners get a great night's sleep and we are more than happy to help spread the message. Jack, their products are so great in ensuring that after a long day, you just know you're sleeping on the very best mattress available. You get that really sort of deep sleep Mm. that we all need. For the last month, Temper has supplied us with mattresses to give away to our lucky listeners, and we've got another one this week. Well, we threw a challenge out Mm. to our listeners. We wanted to hear about the best hacks when it comes Mm. to saving money on clothes. Uh, So congratulations to at Mel Turner. They sent this message in with their clothes hack, and I actually love this. She said that her solution is they remodel their clothes. So if they've got a pair of jeans that the cut is not quite right and they're not really wearing them, they come in with the scissors and they give it a frayed edge or they resize things to fit a little bit differently depending on the trends. So I think... I admired that one most of all because I thought, how handy are you with a needle and thread? Yeah, I'm definitely (laughs) going to try that. Give something a little snip, add something to it, just change the whole look. We actually raid each other's wardrobes all the time for special events, don't we? We're lucky we're about the same size. Give it a a bit of a, a snip here and there. It depends what product it is. I'll check with you first. I'll check with you first. (laughs) So congratulations to Mel Turner. Well done. And thank you to our very good friends at Temper. And Jack, we have one last bed to give away. We do. We've been chatting about the inspirational story of Billie Jean King, an amazing woman who I got to meet this week and she really paved the way for equality, not just in tennis, but in life for all women. And so in 50 words or less, send in your opinion of the most inspirational female athlete and the reason why they're so inspiring to you. I've got a few. I love this one. From For me, I'm just off the bat, mm. Serena Williams. I love her. I think she's done amazing things for the sport and for, for females ac- across the world. Well, that is a great selection, Alicia, and one of Billie Jean King's most favourite sports people as well and someone who very much benefited from the road that Mm -hmm. she paved. We cannot wait to hear your selection. So just message us in 50 words or less at It's Been A Week podcast. We can't wait to hear who you choose. But it got us thinking about Jacinda Ardern. Oh, yes. um, And how, well, things have changed, but have they really? Yeah, well. Um, And I thought I'd start, this is is a question that was asked to Jacinta when Sanamaran, who is the Finnish Prime Minister and also a young woman, she's in her uh, mid to late 30s. Similar to Jacinta, yeah. uh, The Finns, apparently the happiest nation on earth, led Mm -hmm. by a woman. Of course. Yeah, but here's a question that Jacinda was asked a while back. Yeah, a lot of people will be wondering, are you two meeting just because, you know, you're similar in age and, you know, got a lot of, you know, common stuff there, you know, when you got into politics and stuff? Or can Kiwis actually expect to see more deals so between cool. our two countries down the line? Because my there first, is. I mean, my first question is I wonder whether or not anyone ever asked Barack Obama and John Key if they met because they mm. were of similar age. Uh, we, of course, uh, have. Uh, a higher proportion of men in politics. It, it's reality because two women meet. It's not simply because of the agenda. Yeah, we are meeting because we are prime ministers, <laughs> of course. Uh, but as, as Yasinda said, uh, we have a business delegation with us. Uh, we have a lot of things uh, in common, but also a lot of things where we can do uh, much more uh, together. So 
from BJK uh, to Jacinda. Yeah. We're not really learning, are we? How do you think that radio reporter felt? <laughs> well, he afterwards. became pretty famous pretty because, quickly. But she did, you know, she gave it to him. But it got you thinking, didn't it, yes, Alicia, it about did. can you really have it all Look, as a woman? So that's right, Jack. As many of you would know, she resigned a few weeks ago and there was a lot of outrage about the fact that can she have it all? Mm. Can she not have it all? And my personal opinion is that you can have it all but not at the same time. She was quitting or resigning Mm. because she said her time has come, she's got nothing left in the tank and she wants to spend time with her family. That is not a failure because a woman wants to go and spend time with her family. Mm. I didn't understand at the time, as I said, the outrage over the fact that she basically said, I can't have this and have that Mm. all at the same time. No one can. There was a debate in New Zealand saying she was going to lose the election anyway. So part of the anger from New Zealanders was she was quite um, divisive for a lot Mm. of people there, whereas on the world stage, we all love her. And I love, you know, it depends what side of the political spectrum you sit on, right? But I thought some of the things that she'd done over time and you you look at it, there's a smoking ban. There's a whole bunch of things in New Zealand where they're very progressive um, compared to the way we our, po- our yeah. polit- politics is played out. Um, but I did think that what it showed is we're still having very much the same issues fif- that we had 50 years ago. Yeah. When it comes to women in power and how they're seen on the global stage, you look at Hillary Clinton, for example, women are held to a higher standard than the men even yeah. today. I think there's just a lot more asked of us than there is of them. Mm-hmm. It, it, it comes down to even just at home, you know, the mental load of, mm. of school and, and sport and then, you know, working. If you're working, then you've got a whole other mental load there. You've got, you know, um, um, the emotional load of, of the family. I just think that has not changed and I don't think it will change. No. There's a saying that, you know, women will rest when mediocre women get the same opportunities as mediocre men, mm. which, well, I mean, we've got a fair few of them. In this country, don't well. we? Anyway. Um, hey, so let's... Stop Sam, looking at me. Sam, <laughs> he's a star. He's not mediocre. Um, let's get on to something else now and the rental crisis. There was some vision out of Sydney this week of hundreds and hundreds of people yes. queuing for the world's smallest the apartment. The anxiety kicked in. Imagine yes. being in that line. But how do you get... How do you jump to the front of the queue, right? Wow. Domain reported that Australia has recorded its steepest ever annual increase in rental rates. This is a national average 17.6% increase for units and 14.6% for houses. My rent I'm renting at the moment went up and we also have a rental property and we put that up um, because interest rates have gone mm. up. So you've got to absorb it. But not everybody is in a position to do that. And do you remember when you're trying to save for your first home and you're paying rent at the same time, which mm. is why you see so many people moving back in with their parents. Far right. more common for people yes. our age to go back to living with their parents. Yeah. It's way but more I common. I also feel like, Jack, mm. the younger generation of today, they spend way more money than what Do we they? did. Oh, I see them walking down <laughs> in their them. labels. Them. But I feel like... Because you live in Brighton. It's just so, like, I'm not saying that anyone's old, but I feel like the people now, we have so much out there that that we see on Instagram. So you're true. Always, you know, yep. we're always competing mm. for the next new bag, new car, new house, mm. whatever it is. We always see what other people have, which means we want it, which means that people are going to spend money they don't. Pe- I mean, when we were in our 20s, we saw what people had as well. But I just don't think that I – look, I don't think I spent how the younger generation who are now saving for their first home spend. 
That's didn't probably they, fair. Oh, I don't know about oh, that. the brunching with the avocados and this and oh that. Oh, my God, who are you? But you got, <laughs> that did, is you have, <laughs> did you have great brunch when you were in your early 20s? No. Can I just say, we, sadly, we are that old. I don't we, recall that's what I'm going out to, to breakfast being a thing. Well, that's what I mean. Exactly. We have that. That's what I'm trying to say. We didn't you know splash what was the it? cash on avocado. Do you know what I would say, though, about the younger generation? We oh. drink more than them. We, we back in the day, oh, went yeah. out and drank a lot more, yeah. went out clubbing more, went out to bars more, I think, than what... They're all I about think, the non-alcoholic drink But that's now. cheaper. So maybe they're spending it on the front end of the day rather than at the back end. Yeah, but how much did a, a beer cost back in the day mm. when you were going out? Oh, we, I don't drink beer, Sam. It's like 15 bucks for a pint some places. I was going to say seven fifty. Wow. Back yes. when. Yeah, really? It's expensive. Okay. So all right. Which, where, are you, hang on a yeah. where are you drinking for 15 bucks a pint? I don't divulge. That's actually, that's sort of cheap as well, to be honest. It's $15 for a pint. Yeah. Yeah. Get learnt, well, on this pod, you learn something. champagne look really cheap. Oh, no. <laughs> Says you. That's so embarrassing. Um, but, yes, getting back on the rental, it, it is a supply and demand issue very yeah. much, isn't and, it? And that's hard to fix, mm. supply and demand. But you've gone and got some advice? I have. We have spoken to Oren Flam from Hodges Caulfield. Um, he had this to say, which is quite interesting. To put yourself in the best position to secure a rental, apply immediately after viewing the property if that's the one that you want. Make sure you provide all the documents that the agent requests as part of the application. Offering more money per week or a few months upfront won't change a poor application into a good one. Landlords aren't just looking to rent out their properties to anyone. They want good, stable renters who will look after their most valuable assets. So ensure that you have a good relationship with your current property manager and present well when attending open for inspections. So that's interesting, Jack, to know the market and also create a really good relationship with your agent. So it's not just about, you know, um, mm. comparing one property to another. Mm. It's really having that relationship and gaining that trust from them that they will give you the rental. I agree. I think in life, it's all about who you know, not what you know, isn't it, a well, lot of the time? But yeah. again, if you're young and you're but at I uni, think... is if you're going to have a relationship with a real estate agent, which is why these younger people keep getting stuff no, to rent. No, I disagree. Sorry. If you're going to five or six opens a week, for a month, you're going to get to know the agents in, in that area. But easily. if you're a landlord, you're going to pick the couple with two steady no, jobs. but the agent, over the, the young... agent will guide them. Mm. It's going to be made more difficult as well with the Chinese um, students coming back, all coming back, back. 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 Yeah. 40,000 Well, that's the supply and demand thing mm. again. Exactly. Yeah. Watch this space. And speaking of increasing costs, the costs mm-hmm. of schooling and uniforms, um, again, we actually bought our first school uniform yes. for our older daughter who's off to a new school and there's a, they are, they're not cheap. <laughs> no. Well, there's been a lot of talk about the, the cost of uniforms, the cost of just even school supplies. Mm. It's all through the roof. Someone did give me a good tip this mm. week, but it's a bit too late. They said buy the new runners. I mean, I've got three children, so I had to buy three pairs of school shoes and three pairs of runners. So, mm. you know, it's a lot, but yeah. buying the runners during the Boxing Day sales rather than during the first week of January like I did. And you can save so much money. What I did was my five-year-old was so excited about going to school. She spent the last two weeks before school started wearing her school uniform and we went into a few shops and people thought she was so cute they gave us 20% off. (laughs) (laughs) Wheel out the cute child. She she is, she is. Um, And you wanted to touch on another issue quickly where we disagree here about single-sex schools and co-ed schools. I almost drove off the road this this week when I heard some chat from a university professor about abolishing single-sex schools. I personally just strongly disagree with it. Mm. I went to a single-sex school. My daughter's currently at a single-sex school and 
my sons will go to a single-sex high school. At the very least, they'll go to one where there's parallel learning. From all of the research I've done, which has been quite a lot Mm. because, as you know, you have to sort of prepare them for high school now when they're in primary school, otherwise you won't get in, the research shows that females especially thrive around other females when it comes to learning. It's so interesting, though, that research, and this is what I thought about studies, and you can always make them fit your mould and fit the mould of a business because private schools are essentially a business. So I just did a bit of research myself, and there's a big study. They looked at 184 studies, which represented 1.6 million students from 21 nations, and they found that single-sex schooling had a negligible effect on educational performance with little evidence of any advantage. But this is the whole thing about research. They pick this bit for the single-sex, and then the co people pick Mm. that bit. Um, What I would say is I did go to a single-sex school and I'm sending my kids to a mixed Mm. school with parallel. It has um, a section of parallel learning for the junior school. But um, what I found is not so much from an academic point of view but from a social point of view, I struggled to relate to boys. I remember, um, and I'm sure I've got some girlfriends who listen to this podcast who were there, but I remember we, coming from a single-sex school, we used to um, go to a mixed dance. I mean, look mm. how old do I sound? I sound like I've come from the 1950s of mixed dance. <laughs> anyway, they had this dance, right? And they used to line the girls up against the wall and because there were more girls than boys, they used to pick it and they'd always pick the attractive girls oh. and everyone else would be left up against the wall. So you had a and bad experience. I didn't. No, but this is the whole thing. It, and then so that just perpetuated the myth mm, about the, sure. about men and women um, at that young age and the insecurities that women have by not being mm. around males as a friend. Like I didn't have any males as friends mm. or my friends were females. So to me, I would yeah. never want to put my, my daughter through that and just I just – can honestly remember with standing on that wall going, oh, my God, I just hope some boy picks mm. me and how awful That's you shocking. felt. Um, and also now gender norms are not what they were. So we've got this whole other mm. um, different um, different scope than what we had growing up of gender fluidity and, and people who are non-binary. And I think you've got to factor that into this single-sex school too mm. because that is becoming people more sh- and more They common. should just have the choice. Don't take it away from me because... Some people no, had a bad experience. And, and it's also the choice of the parents of someone who's non-binary to not send them to a single-sex school. There needs to be choice. But for non-binary people who come out that way, I mean, I just can see this becoming a more and more common issue that if you're not feeling comfortable in that environment, mm. say you were male and now you're um, not not feeling like that is how you want to identify anymore, then you're stuck in this school. But and you're not stuck. I mean, there's, there's choices. I just think... Mm. I agree there are two different sides to the story and I also agree it probably depends on the child as well, Mm. but I I don't think the choice should be taken away. Yeah. What do you think? Would you send... Well, I went to a I went to a co-ed school, mm. and I've always been thankful for that. So yeah. I can't I can't judge. Yeah. I'm um, sure you were thankful for it. I was very thankful because yeah. I don't know what it was like to go yeah. to a single sex school, but I can say that it probably helped me um, conversing with females exactly. a lot as well. Mm. Um, and so I you had a good experience there. I had a great experience. Yeah, yeah. And I I'm had sure a great people, experience at I'm my sure, single sex. But school. I'm sure people didn't enjoy it and went to a single sex school and enjoyed it more. But I'm sure people didn't enjoy it in a co-ed school if maybe they were bullied or, or something like that. I yeah. just think, anyway, it's, I think it should. Anyway, <laughs> you've had I, enough. I, I, <laughs> All right, let's get to it. quiet. Yeah, <laughs> time to end that. Hey, let's get to embarrassment of the week. That's embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's me again. How exciting. <laughs> What's the most embarrassing thing your kid has done or a kid has said to an adult 
Because mine tops the cake this week. We had a little sleepover this week um, with my daughter and her best friend and the best friend went home and told the mother that I had bed bugs in I my can't. house, I which can't. I didn't because a bug just flew into the bed. Oh. And then she, she said, get a bite? Well, there, I don't know if there was a bite, but there were no – I stripped the bed. The bed had been changed that week. Like it was clean. There were no bugs. But then the mum texted me and said – Polly, Polly said, you've got bed bugs. Oh. And I said, I do not have bed bugs. And I just thought sometimes kids just really. Oh, they do. My son once told his kindergarten teacher that mummy had been taken away by the police. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been taken away by the police. Give it time. <laughs> you never know. You never know when you're like in a big city. It's but DM big. us, what has your child said to another adult about your home yes. that is just utterly untrue and totally humiliating? Let me know. Um, and... It's time for That's Not On. You've got to be joking. This is not on. It's not on. Again. Our children. I feel, why is this whole segment just revolving around my family every week? But I've got a little thief in the house, my five-year-old. Um, it's not on. Jewel thieves. Yes. So Georgia, I've got one too. Georgia is five. She stole my credit card a couple of weeks ago and I turned the house apart. Where's my credit card? And she'd actually, we were down the coast and my parents found it shoved under a jar in their garage in some reason, he, my dad had gone in there and cleaned it up and there it was underneath this jar. So she grabbed it and hit it. She was maybe getting onto the robots following in her big sister's <laughs> Different child, steps. yes. Um, <laughs> and then I put my rings in a little bowl on the bench because I don't wear jewellery at home. I always take it off. And I'm missing one, my wedding band. And I'm like, where is it? This is this is not right. I said, Georgia, have you taken my wedding band? And she said, uh, yes. Where is it? She says, I can't remember. Oh. My daughter, other daughter, found it in the garden about one you centimetre would... from the decking where the gap falls down. And I'm like, are you serious? You would never have like, found it. I would never have found it. What have your children yes. stolen? I have a I have a story about a friend whose daughter did the same thing, mm. stole the, the wedding rings. And she said to her mum, oh, sorry, mummy, I've popped them them in the toilet oh. and the family <laughs> hired some plumbers to basically rip up the oh, entire backyard oh. looking for oh these rings in the in the pipes under the house this and that and the next day the three-year-old decided to tell mummy um oh I meant in my dollhouse toilet <laughs> <laughs> and there they were amazing dm <laughs> us what have your kids stolen we want to hear from you and just hopefully it's not just us and our children. I hope not our little delinquents. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been a week in my family between the thieving. It's always a week. And the bed in bugs. A, in both of our families. Uh, DM us if there's anything you want to talk about next week. Alicia, it's been a week. It really has. Alicia, we haven't had a guest on the podcast no, before. It's our first one. Thank you. Okay, so we're here with Demi from Chemist Warehouse, our good friends and good supporters of It's Been a Week. Demi, I popped down to the Chemist Warehouse store at the Oz Open. It was so much fun. I took the kids. There was everything we needed and there was a few activations that were super fun for the little kids. But you popped down too and you've brought a few things back with you. I have. So super fun, super exciting. I had so much fun at the Australian Open. It was in such a good location and the vibe and the energy in January in Melbourne is incredible. So we had such a good time there. Do you know what else is incredible in January, Alicia? The heat. Oh, especially well, at the, the heat tennis in this studio. Yes, you know, yeah, enjoying that's... it. Are you enjoying <laughs> that's it? That's a whole other thing. Yeah, I well. feel like you've bought us a little savor, given how hot it is in yes. here today. Yeah. And it is the Manicare Volcanic Stone Roller Oil Absorber because at the tennis, it's you get a little shiny. I'll put it politely. It, it's hot. 
Absolutely. this guy is what we need. So can you talk us through yeah. Yeah. what it does? Okay, so it's a volcanic stone rollerball, right? Yes. So it essentially would eliminate what you may have used years ago, maybe a blotting paper. Mm-hmm. But instead, oh, this is mostly... little pack. Correct, yeah. correct. And this is completely reusable mm-hmm. and you can use it before your makeup application. So mm-hmm. if you want to remove excess oil and then maybe the T-zone mm-hmm. or you can use it after your makeup application. So maybe like us after this podcast. Yes. If we want to just... <laughs> so, nice yeah, 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 correct. <laughs> we, we're not offended. No, no, no. <laughs> um, and it removes your excess oil. And you get another one to replace. Correct. Yeah. So I that's would. the differentiator here in comparison to others that are in the market. This one comes with. And it doesn't ruin your makeup. No, it completely streak free. So, Jack, you've just done that and your I makeup have. stayed in place. Oh, Amazing. this is go. so good. And, and it's it so small, you can so put it in nice, your bag. Doesn't it? Yeah. On your skin. Exactly right. Much better than the blotting paper absolutely right about. and then what do you do with that blotting paper right this one mm. all we need to do is remove the ball maybe uh give it a quick wash and a rinse with some cleanser mm. and then you've got the spare one to go ready wow yeah. so you just clean it and pop it back in exactly right that's amazing yeah. i actually feel like i'm going to be using this every day i'm super shiny obviously working in tally my makeup yeah. artist always says she goes oh your face just eats your makeup you just absorb it in and you're yeah. always it's so it's like powder on top of powder on top yeah. of powder and this is a nice one if you don't want to keep powdering yourself all Absolutely. day. Absolutely. And yeah. I feel like we're always on about the moisturiser now mm-hmm. in this day and age as well. You know, the skin's so dry, moisturise, moisturise, but that can cause, you know, a bit of oil on the skin. So something like this just takes it away in those spots where you don't want the moisture. Where you don't want them, exactly right. And I just think it's such a cool, cute little one to pop in your handbag. You can take it anywhere. And... The manicare roller matches my nails. <laughs> <laughs> Meant to be. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> Demi, I feel like you're a little makeup fairy for us here at It's Been A Week. You've brought the manicare roller in. What else have you got to show us? I'm super excited to share with you both the Colorstay Suede Ink Lipstick by Revlon. Mm. So it comes in 12 beautiful shades. They come yeah. off as a suede or matte-like finish. Oh, yeah. And let me tell oh, yeah. you, these do not budge. I had a couple of Aperols on the weekend and they lasted all afternoon. And Love an Aperol. Yeah. I did it without a mirror. You're I'm like actually walking um, Aperol today. Yeah. I am. <laughs> but I've done it without a mirror. I think for future podcasts we need to get like a little makeup station yeah. set up in here. Yeah. So Chemist Warehouse can surely sort us out with that. <laughs> yeah, we're just looking over in the corner. And what <laughs> makes it so silky smooth? Is it the vitamin E? Yeah, so it's infused with vitamin E Amazing. and it's completely comfortable and smooth on the lips. So it's going to last mm. and it also comes with a beautiful built-in primer. Oh, so oh lip primer. So that's what makes it stay. Absolutely. Amazing. And do you know what else I think too? It's really nice to have a matte lipstick yes. in your collection because Agree. there's so many glossy lipsticks there and is. a matte lip is just so classic. It's timeless. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. I know me and my girlfriends have been leaning to a more of a glossy look recently, but once I gave this a go, that was it. And trust really? me, I get so many lipsticks that end up on my desk uh, each week. I'm telling you, this is a game changer. This is it. The yeah. dream job. I feel Perfect. like I'm so glad we've met you, Debbie. I'm so glad you've been our first guest on It's Been Thank a Week. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thanks for coming in. No worries. <laughs> 